Would you please grab your swords and open them to the book of Matthew, your, your Bibles. Sorry, so I tell the youth, grab your swords, baby. So if you just open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, please, chapter 26. We've been going through the Gospel of Matthew in the youth, um, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and um, it is truly an honor to uh, share in this study with you folks. Um, We'll be reading verses 36 to 46. Starting in verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this time that we can spend in your word, Lord. I pray that you would just um, open our hearts and our minds to receive the truth of it all. God, I just ask that you would just bless this time, Lord. That you would... Um, protected and shielded from all distractions, Lord, so that you can be honored and you can be lifted up, Lord, and that we can draw closer through these words and that we can just uh, fix our eyes upon you and just be filled with you, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. So would you just um, let these words accomplish what it is that you have set out for it to accomplish in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. I need to remember to put that on there. So, let me just give you guys a little background um, as far as the accounts that's uh, leading up to these verses that we just read. Jesus is in Jerusalem right now, and he's with his disciples. And it's the time of the Passover, and they're celebrating the Passover. And while he's there, Jesus reminds his disciples, and he tells them, hey, in two days at the Passover, I'm going to be crucified. You see, his ministry has come to this point. This is why he came to earth, so that he could die on the cross for our sins. And he's letting his disciples know, and he's reminding them, hey, guys, it's right around the corner. And he's letting them know that. So his disciples, they go, and they prepare the Passover meal. And Jesus sits down with his disciples for the Passover meal. And while they're sitting down, 
And while they're partaking and while they're fellowshipping, Jesus, Jesus identifies Judas as the one who will betray him, one of his disciples. And he tells Judas that. In verses 26 to 29, we also read the account of Jesus having communion with his disciples. I'm just going to read that for you folks. You don't have to turn to that. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And what a beautiful account that is. The Lord having communion with his disciples. And that is why we do it today in remembrance of him. And Jesus says right here that he will not do it again until he is with us in his Father's kingdom. And so after they had their meal, they sing a hymn and they depart to the Mount of Olives. And by this time, Judas has since left because he's going to conspire with the Jews to betray and arrest Jesus. And so Jesus, while he's with his disciples, he tells them, This night you will stumble and scatter because of me. And he quotes from Zechariah 13, 7, the prophecy I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And good old Peter is right there to chime up. Peter tells him, no way, basically. Jesus, no way. I'm down. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. You know, good old Peter, man, I love his heart. I love his heart. He's always right there. He's always chomping at the bit, man. He's, you want, let's go, God. I'm in. I'm in, you know. And then it's not until afterwards he stops and he goes, oh, huh. Maybe I should have thought about that a little better, you know, what I get myself into. You know, but he's always there. And, he's, and he tells Jesus, and he says, no way. No way, that's not going to happen. And in verse 34, Jesus tells Peter, Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And even with that, Jesus, Jesus and the other disciples say, nope, not happening. Not happening. You know? And so that brings us to verse 36. And before we dive into these verses, I just want us to, 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 to just understand in these verses, man, it's so beautiful because we're going to see Jesus 100% God and 100% man, which is who he was. And it's going to be such a beautiful picture of what transpires here in the garden. So please look with me at verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. We're told in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 2, that Gethsemane was a place that Jesus would often visit with his disciples, said to be a private garden. And so once they reach this garden, Jesus tells his disciples, Sit, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. 
So eight of the disciples have sat down because Judas has left. So eight of the disciples have sat down and Jesus takes with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And the two sons of Zebedee are James and John, sons of thunder, his other disciples. You know, and in the Gospels, we read of two other accounts where, where, where this happened, where Jesus took these three with him on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. And the account of Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead, which is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 49 through 56. You know, Jesus took these three with him during these times. Not the other disciples, just these three with him. And I believe that Jesus did this because he was identifying these three disciples specifically to pour into. I mean, he was pouring into all of his disciples. But there was something about these three that he surrounded himself with them to pour into them specifically. He saw their hearts. You know, he invested into their lives. He knew what laid ahead for each of them. Because after Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, we read what happened to James. He was the first martyr of all the apostles. Herod killed him, beheaded him for his faith. James would endure that because of his faith in Christ. And he set the tone, man, for everybody else. James was like, hey, this ain't just lip service. I'm bringing it. Jesus is my God, and it's real. And I'm going to die for it. And Jesus knew that. And we look at John. John wrote five of the New Testament books. The most notable being Revelation. Which talks about the end times. Peter. Good old Peter. Man, he became a pillar. He became a pillar in spreading the gospel to the Jews. And establishing the early church. He was also martyred for his faith in Christ. And Jesus knew that, you know, and he poured into their lives. And just like us, just like me, because when I say us, that's me too. We need to pour into the lives. Jesus has surrounded us with people that we can pour into. We don't have to be, oh, I'm not Jesus. I'm not a pastor. I don't go around telling people, I will blind you with my awesomeness. I will pour into you. Come. He's not doing that. Or he's not saying that here. He's saying that we, we can pour into the lives. If you're a parent, you have children, man, pour into their lives. They look to you. They want to see Jesus in you. They want to see Jesus in me. And we can pour into them. Are you an older brother or older sister? I know how that is. You got the little ones. You want to just kick them. Get, get away from me. Bothering me. Man, they look to you. You can pour into their lives. Isn't that what we're called to do? To pour into their lives so that they can see Jesus in us? And now Jesus, man, he's, he's leaning upon these three, you know, in his darkest hour. He is Jesus. I mean, if you stop and think about that, Jesus is leaning upon these three? Sharing his heart with them? Yeah, he is. I mean, who, who has God placed in your life that you can lean upon? Right now, if something went sideways and you needed prayer, you needed, do you have somebody that you can count on, that you can call to pray with you, to lift you up? You know, man, talking to you guys specifically, I mean, this applies to all of us women too. 
But man, you know what I'm talking about. This is hard for us. It was hard for me. Because to me, to share my heart and to share my weaknesses with another man, that was a sign of weakness to me. You don't need to know my business. I handle it. I'm a man. I got my own. I take care of it. But that's how we get, don't we? That's how I was. And man, the Lord really had to take me and put me in a grinder. Because that's what he did. And he started opening my eyes to see brothers and sisters in Christ that I need to lean upon, that I need to reach out to. Because we can't, we can't just sit there and go through whatever storm that we're going through and build a wall around us and say, I'm good right here. I'll fix it. It's not going to happen. Trust me. I've been there. It's not going to happen. We need to reach out. We need to. And it's now to the point where God has brought these core group of brothers in my life where all I do is I text. I just say, pray, bro. And boom, immediately I get that response, praying for you. I don't even need to share what's going on. They know. And later on, you know, I can elaborate and say further, but I need to reach out. They're not going to text me every day, what can I pray for? What can I pray for? I need to reach out to them. And what a beautiful example this is, where Jesus is doing that. Because Jesus told these three, he says, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. The word watch in Greek, it means vigilant, stay awake, watch with me. I need you guys, man. I need you guys. The original Greek word for sorrowful here is paralupos, which means grieved all around, intensely sad. In the Gospel of Luke, it says that his sweat, meaning Jesus, were like great drops of blood. That's how much agony he was in at this time. That's what he was going through. He was feeling it. Everything of humanity, he was feeling it. All the emotions, all the thoughts, he was going through it. And Jesus is reaching out to them. And he's sharing his heart. You know, Jesus had Peter, James, and John. Who do you have? Who do you have? Are you reaching out? Verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus leaves the three disciples, and he goes a little farther off to pray by himself. And just as Jesus did, prayer should be our immediate response to whatever life throws at us. That should be the go-to card for us. It should be like muscle memory, immediate response, something you train, something you do. Because if this happens, I'm immediately going to do that. You know, I think of these young men and women, you know, that are in our special forces that defend this country. God bless them. Pray for them. God bless them. But you know what? They don't wake up that morning and go, I'm going to be a Green Beret. They train. They go through the process. They teach themselves, they program themselves, muscle memory, repetition, over and over and over again so that they know their weapons, they know the gear that's on their body. So whenever they walk into a hostile environment or to a bad situation that blindsides them, they immediately know what to do. Get it out, get it up, get it on. 
It comes natural. They don't have to think about it. And it's that response that's going to save them in that situation. And the same thing with us with prayer. When something goes sideways and we're hit with life, what is your immediate response? What is my immediate response? Am I going in prayer? Am I seeking the Lord? What am I doing? And in his prayer, Jesus asked, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus is basically asking God, is there any other way, God? Is there any other way that mankind can be saved? That's what he's asking. Is there any other way other than me going to the cross? And the silence of the heavens, answer is no. And God says, and it's just such a loving voice, no. No, there's not. Because there is no other way for man to be saved but through Jesus Christ. Amen? John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, we cannot have salvation. We cannot have the forgiveness of sins. We cannot have eternity with our Father in heaven unless we go through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's not these other religions or beliefs. It's through Jesus Christ. And that's the truth of it. And we need to understand that it's in love. It's in love that all of this is done and accomplished. You see, when God created man, his goal was never to say, I'm going to destroy because this is heaven and, 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 and I'm going to choose it this way and only you, 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 and you can come. The rest of you guys, go. The Word of God tells us that He came, that none should perish. None should perish. We choose. We choose to not believe in that. We choose to walk away from that. It's our choice. And He gives that to us. That's how mighty God is. That's how loving He is. You know, it's... uh, being, uh, being with the youth is, is, is such a blessing, um, you know, because the Lord has allowed me to um, see so many things specifically regarding to youth and, and, and what they go through. And one of the biggest things that I see are the lies that the world is feeding them and feeding us too. And it's in books. It's in movies, it's in songs, the radio, talk shows. And they're saying, hey man, be your own God. Do whatever makes you happy. I was able to watch a video clip. Um, I won't mention her name, but she's a famous talk show host. And in this video clip, and, and, and millions watch this woman, millions. And in this video clip, she starts getting to a verbal um, disagreement with a woman that's in the audience, saying that Jesus is not the only God. I'm sorry, that Jesus is not the only way to God. Let me make sure I don't get that mixed up. And this talk show host was saying that there are many paths to God. 
that we can all have our love, joy thing, and that's our God. And, and as long as we're happy, as long as we're not bothering anybody, it's all good. Because we're all going to end up in the same place. And that's what they're feeding us. And people are buying into it. And it's not the truth. It's not. And we need to see that. This cup that Jesus asked to pass from him, it was the bearing on his body, the sins of the world, and being the sin offering for us. That is what he bore upon his body. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, we read, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, and it's hard for us to comprehend that. It's hard for us to comprehend that. But see, because Jesus knew no sin. He was sinless. And yet he is going to take on the sin of all mankind. From the time of Adam all the way up until the end of time. Jesus is taking on every sin upon himself. And you can just imagine, I mean, his soul must have just repelled just the thought of that. But he knew that that's what needed to be done so that you and I can have the forgiveness of sins. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it said that Christ became a curse for us as well. I mean, he's taking it all. You name it, he's taking it all. And it's all going to be placed upon him while he's on that cross. And in taking these sins of the world... It's going to cause the Father to forsake him while he's on that cross. Because God and sin can never exist together. That is why we read in Matthew 27, 46, when Jesus was on the cross, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit, are all one. And yet, God forsook him when he was on the cross. You see, a holy God could not look with favor upon his son who became sin. I don't know specifically what transpired on that cross between Jesus and God. But it was enough to cause Jesus to cry out, why have you forsaken me? And I bet all these things were running through Jesus' mind. And it was tearing him apart. It was tearing him apart, all the things that he would have to endure. The fact that he would stand in our place and receive our punishment for our sins so that we can have eternal life. For us, he paid it all. We bring nothing to the table. There's nothing I can do to deserve that. He paid it all. He did it all for us. Jesus and Jesus alone. Verse 40, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So when Jesus returned from praying, he finds the disciples asleep. And Peter, who was so quick to open his mouth early, Hey God, I'm down. I got your back. Peter addresses him specifically. Could you not watch with me one hour? 
You know, and what a reminder this is to us to stand with our brothers and sisters in their time of need. When we see someone suffering, when we see someone in need, to come alongside them so that our words aren't fruitless. You know, to step out of our comfort zone. Because it is, isn't it? Because we can say, hey man, I'll pray for you. Got you. And then we forget. It's uncomfortable for us to actually go and do something, to pick up the phone, to call somebody, to go over to their house, to help them out, to reach out and say, hey, brother, sister, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything that I can help you with? You know, that's why Pastor Pat, God bless him, man. He has a pastor's heart. And he's not going to like the fact that I'm talking about him because he's a very humble, modest man. But I think I can take him. So I'm going to share this with you. <laughs> and that's, you know, he, he does. And that's it, man. He, he shares all the time. Man, I would love to see people praying all over this place for one another. I would love to see people tripping over themselves, serving one another. Because isn't that the model of the church in Acts chapter 2? Didn't they sell all their possessions? They all came together and they gave up everything and they put it all in a pot so that everybody could partake. And they came and they were just tripping over one another to lift up one another, to serve one another. And that's his heart referring to Jesus and how he wants us to be. You know, and if you want it just to hit a little bit more towards home, what if that was you Jesus was talking to? What if he said, Chris, could you not watch with me one hour? Ken, could you not watch with me one hour? Man, does that hit home? Yeah, it does. I was crying like a baby when I was doing the study for this thing, you know, because it was really speaking to me and praise God for that because I firmly believe in and in, in my walk that whatever I teach, I need to start here first. It starts in my heart. Verse 32, I'm sorry, verse 42. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. So Jesus returns to pray a second time, but notice his prayer changes. Because this time he says, if this cup cannot pass away from me. Earlier it was, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. You see, Jesus here is understanding the will of the Father and submitting to it. The more he's in prayer, the more he's seeking the Lord, the more the Father's will is being evident to him. And he's seeing that. And you see how powerful that is in prayer when we seek the Lord? Because he will. He'll answer you, and He'll let you know His will for your life. And He came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So He left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. You know, and we really can't blame or fault the disciples for being weak and falling asleep. Because what happens when uh, we start praying or we start reading the Bible? For me... I get the Holy Ghost nod going on and I say, amen. It happens, man. To me, it does. Or I get distracted 
If I'm listening to someone teaching or a teacher, easily distracted. And it's the enemy, man. He, he's, he's coming after you because he doesn't want you to be in the Lord's will by prayer or being in the Bible or, or, or hearing the word of God. The enemy doesn't want that. You know, and so it, it, it's just evidence of how could someone say, is there really a God or is there really a devil? That's evident right there. Because I tell you what, I can remember a joke that I heard 20-something years ago once, a dirty joke, and I still remember it. Bible verses, I got to look it up. I try to commit them to memory. I try to look it up. The enemy doesn't want us to be in the Lord's will by being in prayer and by reading his word. And so he does things like this. I don't want to overlook a fact here regarding the disciples that while they were sleeping, we need to remember that Judas and the enemies were out plotting, getting stronger, getting their game plan together. Because isn't that how the enemy works with us? You know, growing up in Hawaii, I had a Samoan friend. He was a prison guard. This guy had biceps the size of my thighs. That's how big he was. And I'm not over-exaggerating, you know. Uh, just to give you an idea just how massive this guy was. When we used to work out, he would warm up with a 315-pound bench. That was his warm-up. That's how strong this guy was. He just was an animal. And I remember asking him, I told him, I said, Uso, which is some wonderful boy. I said, Uso, I said, man, why are you always working out like an animal? And he told me, and I never forgot this. He goes, because every day I don't work out, that's one day the inmates have on me. Because at that time, they could train and work out. And so he needed to be on top of his game. You know, and that translates so easily into our spiritual lives, doesn't it? Because when I'm not in the Word of God, when I'm not on my knees praying, when I'm not living the life that God has called me to live, what happens? Man, the enemy just right there, woof, and it starts just wedging, wedging. And it starts getting easier not to read the Bible. It starts getting easier not to pray, doesn't it? And then all these things start happening in our lives. And then we have the nerve to say, God, where are you? Why aren't you here helping me? It's because you chose, because I chose to walk away. There's a beautiful story that I heard once where there was this older man and his wife and they were in this old truck and they were driving down this old dirt road and, and the wife was by the passenger door and the husband was by the driver's door driving and, and the wife looks over at the husband and, and she goes, honey, do you remember those days when, you know, we would just drive in the country and I would just be right next to you holding you? And the husband looked over to the wife and he said, honey, I never moved. She chose to move away. And isn't that what we do? And so we need to be in the Word. We need to be prayed up. We need to be having the armor of God in our lives every single day. Every single day. Period. That's how it is for me. Because if I'm not, man, all kinds of havoc happens in my life. 
All kinds of stuff goes sideways. And I get all tossed in a whirlwind. And so we read that Jesus leaves again and prays for the third time the same words. You know, and I love the heart of Jesus and the example he's laying down for us to pick up. Because it's all over the floor. We just got to bend down and pick it up. And what Jesus is saying is that there's nothing wrong with bringing your requests to God our Father over and over again. Because Jesus is sharing his heart with him. He's going back to God and he's praying. And he's praying, he's sharing his heart. And he's saying, Lord, this is what I'm feeling. And I'm sharing this and I'm laying this at the foot of the cross. Hear my heart. You know, and it's so sad because some people teach that if we pray like that, it shows a lack of faith. Because some people say it's all about name it and claim it. And if you keep praying and you keep asking, it's because you have a lack of faith. And that's not the truth, because that's not what Jesus is doing right here. He's showing us his heart and his intentions by going to the Father and saying, Lord, please hear me. Lord, please hear me. He's not trying to impose his will above the Father's. That's why he concludes in his prayers, thy will be done. Because when it comes down to it, isn't that what it's all about? God's will being done? Because I tell you what, man, I learned the hard way in so many things, and like my wife can attest to that. I'm just a knucklehead, you know? Thy will being done. I used to argue with the Lord because I didn't get things my way. I always thought life was Burger King. I'm getting everything my way. And that's how I'm going to pray. Lord, I want everything my way. And that's why people get so frustrated. They do, because their will is here. God's will is here. And it's going to stay there. We need to take this will, our will, and put it into the will of the Father. That is where you find peace. That is where you find strength. And I had to learn that the hard way. And that's why people get so frustrated. Verse 35, then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I believe that in this garden, after hours of prayer and seeking the will of God, that Jesus returned with a peace and a renewed strength in his heart that only can come from being in the will of the Father. Paul wrote in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because when we are in his perfect will, Nothing can shake us. Because whatever's going on in our life, circumstance, situation, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Whatever is going on in your life, the fingerprints of Christ is over everything. He knows everything that's going on in your life, what you're going through, what your feeling is, your thoughts. Because He is in control of everything. And that happens when we are only in His perfect will. And we can. We can move forward in peace. We can move forward in victory. You know, it breaks my heart when I hear, you know, the body of Christ and, and family members, you know, someone's got cancer or, or, or they lost a loved one. And, and it's just, you know, and, and, and it breaks my heart. It's heavy on my heart. 
But the joy that I have is that I know that they are in God's perfect will because they're living it. They're walking it. And because that they are living their life in Christ, they can move forward in that peace. And it's God's will be done, ultimately. If God wants to heal that person, that person will be healed. I firmly believe that. If not, not. I firmly believe that. But it's God's will being done. And so the hour of Jesus' betrayal is at hand. And he rises and meets it head on, being in complete control of the entire account. Don't you just love that? Don't you just love that? You know, he doesn't run. He doesn't call down fire and destroy everybody that's in a 10-mile radius. He could have if he wanted to. But he didn't. He met it head on. He moves forward and willfully drinks the cup that is prepared for him. And because of his obedience, we have eternal salvation and the forgiveness of sins. Because of what Jesus did there in the garden. And how beautiful is that? That account that we just read of what Jesus did. Because he's going to go to the cross and he's going to endure our sins and do everything that he was set out to do. Why God the Father sent him to this earth. And this is a beautiful account of his time in the garden. You know, in closing, because there's so much, I mean, there was so much here, you know, and I, and I just was praying. I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to, you know, close with? What do you want me to, to, to share, you know, from, from I mean, because there, there's just so much here, isn't there? I mean, it's like a big steak, just boom, have at it, buffet. In closing, I just have one question, and it's this. Where is your garden? Where is your garden of Gethsemane? You know that place that you run to, that I run to when things go sideways, when we get hit head on with a Mack truck, or just the little things in life that just keep nudging at us, irritating us, nudging at us. Where do you run to? Where is your garden? Is it the local bar? Is it a room of isolation? Is it fits of rage? Is that your garden? Where do you go to when things go sideways? Or is your garden that place where God reigns supreme and His will is being done, where you drop on your face and you pray with all your heart and you pour out your heart and you say, God, I need you. Man, I need you. Because He's faithful to answer just as we saw here and we read here of this account in the garden, God was faithful to answer His Son. And He will be faithful to answer you. He will. William MacDonald closed his uh, study of these verses in this way, and, and I just thought it was beautiful. He wrote, Before we leave the garden... Let us pause once more to hear his sobs, to ponder his sorrow, and to thank him with all our hearts. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord God, thank you so much for what transpired here, Lord, in the garden, that you drank of this cup. 
Lord, that you did it for us, Heavenly Father, that you were in the perfect will of God, Lord. And that is our prayer this morning, Jesus, that whatever we're going through right now, whatever we are experiencing, Heavenly Father, that we would be in your perfect will. And if we're not, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts so that we can get back on track and that we can be in your perfect will, Lord, because that's what it's all about. Because one day we will all stand before you, God, individually, Lord. We will stand before you, Lord, and give an account of our lives, Heavenly Father, and how beautiful and how precious it will be for us to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into thy rest. Lord, I pray that this year, God, you would be honored and glorified in our lives. I pray this year, Lord, that we would just die to ourselves and to this world and draw close to you, Lord. I pray that whatever things that we've been struggling with, Lord, that you would give us the strength, God, to just get rid of it. Just make that decision now, today, just get rid of it and just come running to you, Lord, and to live for you because time is short. We know that, God, time is short. So please, Lord, come into our lives and fill us with your Holy Spirit and your strength. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we may see you and that we may submit to your perfect will. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.